0: You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am six days late on this, but we are finally getting to it. It is the mailbag from last week. So slightly outdated, kind of. You know, we're in the off season, but so things can't be completely outdated. But at the same time, obviously, we we had signing day today. There's some questions about that. And some of this stuff has been answered, but whatever. Let's get to it. Starting with our leaders and best. And by the way, this is one of two coming on Wednesday. I'm doing one now. So this will post around 3 p.m. Wednesday. I'll do another one around 8 p.m. again on Wednesday. Starting with our leaders and best, though. James Crudup at James up 6 Do you believe the narrative that Don Brown was holding Nua back in recruiting? Uh, I don't know where that came from. I've seen a lot of it today. But, I, I mean, I guess you can say this. I don't know that it's necessarily like... Uh, and this is me speculating. I don't I don't know the ins and outs about what's happening as far as that type of stuff is concerned. I left a lot of that type of stuff behind uh, from my 24-7 sports days. I don't really try to... Because here's the thing. Anything that I get that's stuff like like that... I can't put not behind a paywall. I just can't. Like as far as like dynamics of stuff and blah, blah, blah. So I don't even bother to ask. Sometimes I get told some things like I got kind of tipped off to the idea that, uh, Ed Warner was not a sacred cow. Hence I had a pre-write ready to go. But, uh, nonetheless, uh, as far as, so I don't know about the dynamic. One thing I can say though is they just weren't very aggressive about getting defensive linemen in recent years, which is really confounding. Honestly, d- defensively, for the most part, it doesn't seem like they were terribly aggressive at getting guys, period. Like, yeah, you got Junior Coulson in the early signing period, but, like, who were they really being aggressive about this last recruiting cycle? And even, like, the cycle before, you know, the last couple cycles before, even when they had gotten defensive tackles under Don Brown, look at, like, Chris Hinton and Mozzie Smith. Like, they got Hinton really early. So, like, they didn't have to be aggressive about it. It just seemed like the the, the aggression wasn't there. But it seems to be back in full force when you see what happened today. And if you don't know what happened today, living under a rock, Michigan signed three defensive tackles on National Signing Day proper. So, uh, I I think that at least, if nothing else, he's rejuvenated. And I know Steve Lorenz put out a thing. I just saw the headline. I saw, like, a clip of the headline today with people celebrating things about Nua that you could see a different Nua on the trail. Clearly, we are. Uh, I don't know the ins and outs or specifics about that. Put it that way josh barra landed rooks who looked to be trending away for a while but any word on pulling in another dt for this class may be a flip from that other state school well there you go it happened and you know what it it didn't seem like it was necessarily having i i did not contact ray sean benny usually i feel like talking to a guy this late isn't gonna do much um i have a good relationship with coach carter but not electronically like I in person he's pretty open but as far as if I would have reached out to him and and asked questions I don't think I would have gotten anything from the Oak Park head coach uh and uh Michigan was in wait and see mode as far as what I had heard so with all of that in mind uh the Ray Sean Benny thing it 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 seemed like it could happen I woke up this morning and wrote a pre write. First thing, I didn't do it last night. And this was before all the crystal balls started coming in for him to flip. But, I mean, again, the crystal balls didn't come in for him to flip until today. Unlike Iwana, where there was a ton of crystal balls already. So, uh, and then obviously they also flipped uh, Iwana, which seemed more likely than Benny. But there are reports out there that, uh... Benny called MSU yesterday and said, Hey, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going going to Michigan. And that's the best you could hope for. I had a conversation with a Michigan related person earlier today. And I said, like, this is the best case scenario for you, right? Like in the sense of, yeah, not losing to Michigan State on the field, but like he goes to Mel Tucker, says, You know what? Being being a Spartan is the that's the that's the move and then come signing day you're like nah and you sign with Michigan so that Michigan state can't flip you back isn't that like the best way you could you could do it isn't that Mike Hart <laughs> in 2007 you get you let your little brother get a little bit ahead of you for a bit and then you go and you take it back i don't know but yeah there's uh there you go my brother metal michael wolf at m20 uh, wolf21 by the way if anyone is looking to buy a helix rack mount with uh the floor pedal hit him up at mwolf21 i i certainly can't sink that type of money into guitar equipment considering i haven't touched a guitar since i moved to ann arbor but uh that's that's a beast of a unit what 12 foot ninja uses he, anyway What's your opinion on Harbaugh being the QB coach? I love it. I think that that's sorely needed. Because you know what? Here's the thing. When I was driving back with Zach Shaw uh, from one of the games, I think we only went to one away game uh, via road trip, yeah. We flew together to uh, Rutgers, but we, we roaded together to Indiana. And I was saying to him, like, listen, I don't know what Jim Harbaugh does right now. Like I understand, he like sets the scheme, but like Don Brown sets the defensive scheme. Josh Gaddis is setting the setting the offensive scheme. I'm sure he sets the game plan. Harbaugh does, but like I didn't know what Harbaugh was doing at this point. Like all of the signature Harbaughisms were gone. The meritocracy stuff, like you know, all the different things that they did before, just seemed to be gone. Like I don't. I didn't see really his fingerprints on this team whatsoever. So considering that that is the place that he can have the most effect. Yeah. I think that that's an incredible move. And I think it, you know, at this point, if the quarterbacks don't take a tangible improvement, you can point directly at him instead of pointing at Ben McDaniels or whoever else. So I think that it's an incredible move and I think it's, long needed and sorely needed. And I think you saw the fingerprints of what he was able to do with, with Wilton Spate back in 2016. Maybe it didn't work out in 2017 with young receivers and injuries and blah, blah, blah. But you know, like he took a guy that no one expected to start and turned him into a guy that was very productive as a starter at Michigan. Lost two games as a starter at Michigan or three games games as a starter at Michigan. Uh, Trent Noop, writer for Wolverines while you're at Trent Noop. How weird is Michigan's offense going to be without having any fullback dives? Ben Mason this year. It's going to be real weird. Uh, but, I mean, I think that they were kind of using him the way that they would use tight ends. But he might not run the ball, obviously, when I think of, like, Joel Honigford necessarily like, being in that same position blocking-wise. You might still see a guy out there in the same position that Ben Mason was oftentimes, but no, I, I doubt that they'll carry the ball. You know what I mean? I think it's good because I think it frees Josh Gaddis to do other things, and that is the only thing that I will say about that right now because there is more to say about it, but that's the only thing I feel like I can say. Finishing us out in segment one, Jimmy Whitner at Jimmy Whitner Who is the recruit you – our most surprised we landed this cycle. Number two of our new staff members who, in your opinion, is the biggest addition. I'll ask, answer the second one. I think that's Mo Linguist. I think that he's uh, he, he did a really good job with the, the Cowboys' pass defense. I think he's done really good pretty much anywhere he's gone. He's a rising star, and I think he is going to be an absolute beast on the recruiting trail. That said, I mean... It's hard to, to say it's him or Mike Hart, Ron Bellamy, who I think is uh, going to be east on the recruiting trail, and it's great to see him coaching specifically his particular unit. And I think that that's good, having a dedicated wide receivers coach in addition to Gaddis, even though that was Gaddis's position, because it allows to freeze Gaddis up a little bit to oversee the offense and have a dedicated guy who can Kind of break into the college, how things work in college as far as coaching is concerned. After having spent a decade at the high school level, so I think that's great. As far as recruit, I'm most surprised that uh, Michigan landed. Man, I got I gotta tell you, I, I kind of am forgetting on <laughs> the 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 whole class here. Uh, I gotta look it up because I totally am blanking on the entire class, and I'm gonna end up saying someone that uh, to some degree it's Rooks because. Rooks that has been trending away from Michigan for a while and he started trending back into it a little bit. Honestly, I guess it would be Donovan Edwards. Just because I mean, I gave you the rundown not too long ago about what happened in his recruitment. I probably sugarcoated it a little bit. There was just a point where Donovan Edwards was just not gonna go to Michigan. Like Michigan was just not doing the job. And the fact that they not only got into it but overcame everything I think is huge. If you would have put a gun to my head through most of his recruitment and asked me where is he going or where is he not going, rather, Michigan would have been on that list of where he's not going. So Donovan Edwards would probably be it. And I I think it's funny. Like so many crystal balls were in for for him to go to Michigan, and there was zero reason. That's one of those speculative crystal balls that was out there. So the fact that that ended up being a thing is kind of hilarious. Uh, just looking at the list, I guess there's really no one else that really surprises me. Benny, who committed today, seemed like he was more of a more likely to go to Michigan. Like he was locked to Michigan before the Halloween game and then flipped on a dime. I guess if I was to have an honorable mention there, it would be Xavier Worthy because, I mean, dude was strongly considering Alabama, went to Alabama, took a look at what Devontae Smith does, and decided that he was going to go somewhere else. Now, he might have had an idea that Sark was going to be out, that it wasn't going to be quite the same. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Objectively speaking, if I was Xavier Worthy and I was looking at Devontae Smith, and what Jalen Waddell had done in the past, and what Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy had done in the past, and looked at myself, I would have gone to Alabama, without question, personally. All right. I don't know how we went so far over, but we did, because that's what we do on the mailbag. But uh, anyway, I digress. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can use for other important things like mortgage or food. Look at me. I went to Disney World and spent four figures easy, more than that for sure, uh, partially because I have not had to deal with car repairs over the course of last year. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the same exact auto parts at a chain store or new dealership? Well, rockauto.com exists, my friends. Rockauto.com is a family business. Serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. I've used Rock Auto quite a bit in my life. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto or body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks. Delivered directly to your door. Rockauto.com catalog is easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked down in there. how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts (laughs) your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Alright, we'll see how this goes. This is actually take two, because I went to look at the time going into segment three. And for some reason, in the middle of the rock-auto read, the recording had just stopped. I didn't do anything to stop it, it just decided it was done. So, we will see how that transpires... I'm a little bit, like, because I don't know if I'm going to want to, how much I'm going to want to repeat, right? So, we will see here. Um, Anyway, let's start us off with It's Go Blue, Not Big Blue at Urban Lide. The winner of Super Bowl 55 is, my heart says Tampa Bay, but my head says Kansas City. It just seems to me like, all right, Kansas City has everything, right? Got the offense. They're pretty good defense. I don't think their defense is as good as Tampa Bay's, and that's what makes me think Tampa Bay's really got a shot. I think offensively, they're really start, they've really clicked under Tom Brady, uh, even when things haven't gone necessarily well, like in the uh, NFC Championship game. Like, they went awesome in the first half. I just remember I was walking around Animal Kingdom, checking the score in the Everest line, like right when the game was starting, and it was like off to the races. Then we hopped back to Hollywood Studios, and it's like Tom Brady's throwing three picks. So uh, that said, I think Tampa Bay's got a really good defense uh, that can make up for a lot. But at the same time, I just think that Kansas City is maybe more complete. But I'm rooting for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has been my team. Uh, Tampa Bay and the New England Patriots have been my two teams, more so than the Lions since 2002. And Tampa Bay, I actually followed the Buccaneers from the start to the end. They were my team, period. I was like, I don't care about the Lions. It's a bad team. So I adopted Tampa Bay, and that paid off really well and handsomely in a Super Bowl win for me. So... And it was funny, all my friends in the Super Bowl rooting for the Raiders. And they're like, how could you not root for the Raiders? And I'm like, number one, I've rooted for Tampa Bay all season long. Number two, I know more about Tampa Bay than you do. So I was not surprised with the way things ended up going. All right, JT at to JT. What receiver do you see making a jump this year? What effect do you see Ron Bellamy having on the young wide receiver group? Ladder is to be seen, right? Like because it you know, he's coming from coach being the head coach of a high school program. We'll have to see, what you know, what he does. He's a, I think he's a great coach. I mean, he elevated West Bloomfield into something completely different, and he played the position at Michigan, so he knows the expectations. As far as receivers making a jump, I came up with three in the now previously lost and unreleased recording of segment two. Uh, so, usual suspect. I gave it to Giles Jackson, guy that I thought was going to take a big jump last year, didn't really. So I think that would be my number one choice. Number two, the guy we didn't see a lot of, but I think came in with some polish and whatever, uh, is uh, A.J. Henning. I could see him becoming a much bigger part of the offense. Number three, I think, is a guy that could take a big, big step forward in the sense of we saw him take a big step forward, I felt, this last year. And he could be Nico Collins 2.0 is Cornelius Johnson. I could see him doubling his production from the short 2020. Granted, he only played there was only six games. So I think it's if they play 13, 14 games, you know, (laughs) I think, you know, even 12, I think regardless, he's gonna double his production anyway. But I think you'll see a big, big jump from him. Jordan Eggleston at JW Eggleston 7. With the assumption we see a 3-4 defense, what do you think the linebacker group looks like? And I, I, I'm i not really sure in the sense of, like I put out my defensive depth chart while I was gone. And when I got to the linebacker group, it was like a big shrug because there's a lot of different ways you could look at it. Maybe you keep the wills outside and try to, take two different middle linebacker types that you already have, not that Michigan has a ton of them, and put them next to each other and then have another, you know, have your, a mixture of Viper and the speed rush type guys on the outside. Or, and this is how I approached it, move the Will as another inside guy as far as the personnel they have. Make the Viper one outside and make a mixture between the Sam linebacker and some of your other, you know, Defensive end types, like maybe you have David Ajabo and uh, and Taylor Upshaw as your fourth linebacker type. And as far as when it comes to 3-4 defenses, because here's, a, here's the way I study things. I don't necessarily study football as a whole uh, when it comes to everything. So I don't really know like the tenets of a 3-4 because since I've been covering Michigan, Michigan's around a 4-3. So I know the ins and outs of how Don Brown wants to run things. I don't know what Mike McDonald, his, how he's going to approach it. It's just not in my mindset. So we'll know more when we finally hear from him, whether it's on Jansen's podcast or some kind of media availability. I'm betting the former will happen well before the latter. Zach Van Lentie at Lentie Zach. Why move on from Warner? At least there are a couple of them that them I'm going to put together. He just put four linemen in the league in 2019. There's two more that are of a similar topic. So we'll continue with those, and then I'll get back to Zach's other two questions. Or other question, kind of. Generic Eric at ERKJ... ERKJ72. Ed Warner seems to have recruited well, has done a good job with the O-line. Nothing against Bellamy or more moving, but do we have any clue why he was replaced? Peter Lambeth at Peter Lambeth. Everyone figured Warner was safe and sure to return. For the departure of Carpenter and his failure to bring Spindler or Dillinger Instrumental in being let go, did he not relate well to his players? All right, so the the little tidbits that I've heard, which may or may not be accurate, so take it with a grain of salt. This isn't like someone, this isn't someone that's directly tied that told me something, but this is someone who was directly tied, told someone I trust something, and that person related it to me. The last thing you said, did he not relate well to his players, is the thing that I had kind of heard. Now, I had also kind of heard that maybe there was some friction between him and Josh Gaddis, and if you're trying to give Gaddis a little bit more reins to do things the way he wants to, maybe that's it. Again, grain of salt. That's more me speculating. So there's a lot of different elements that could kind of come into play. Now that did he not relate well to his players thing flies in the face of something that I was told when he, right after he came in. So I have a hard time necessarily taking that as truth. As far as why he's gone, I don't know. Because it did seem to me like you keep that guy at all costs. But, uh, you know, I know he's a guy who had higher aspirations. So I I, I wouldn't be surprised if he pursued those more fully. But yeah, it seems, it seems kind of weird, but it is still it's exciting as well to see the, the changes they've made. So I, I don't think anyone's feeling necessarily terrible about it because of the changes that they've made. But at the same time, uh, it just it seems like a weird move. At the same time, I don't I don't have the ins and outs of it to be honest. Uh, finishing out with what Zach Van Lenty said, if Jay Harbaugh had a different last name, would he have been replaced? Pros cons to the retention. Uh, and who will Mike Hart's RB one be by the end of the season? I'll stick with Hassan Haskins as the RB one, but I think he's going to get pushed by Donovan Edwards because I think Edwards is instantly going to be the most talented wider running back rather when he steps onto campus. Uh, but it's going to take just a minute for him to get acclimated to the college game. But I think Haskins is I, I think he, Haskins is really really good, and I think Blake Corum is really really good. Uh, if Jay Harbaugh had a different last name, would he have been replaced? I mean, 2020 was not good. So, I mean, maybe based off of 2020, but I think he gets kind of a bad rap for some of the other years, right? Like, you know, 2019, um, I think that it it came along. I think that both Charbonnet and Haskins improved throughout the year. Uh, And then you look at from 17 and 18, I mean, Higdon became a force. And, you know, he was your first 1,000-yard back since uh, since Fitzgerald Toussaint, 2011. So I think you got to give him credit for that. Uh, I So I think – I don't think there are many cons to the retention because he switches back over to tight ends, which we'll talk about momentarily. But he does uh, – the, the pros are he's an avid recruiter. He's been one of Michigan's best. Uh, Aside from Partridge when he was on staff and Sharon Moore, I think he was probably Michigan's third best. Um, Tied for third best with a guy like Madison when Madison was on staff. But uh, I I think that, I don't think he would have been replaced, maybe after 2020. But uh, I think that he gets a lot of you-know-what on, and some of it, if not half of it, if not more of that, then is uh, somewhat unnecessary. All right, let's move on. Are we ready for some football? Super Bowl is taking place this weekend between Tampa Bay and Kansas City, and there's only one place, as you covered, one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Uh, I already covered all of the, the great things about the game, but maybe you have a maybe you have a, a head or heart pick and you want to throw down a little bit of money on it. So no you know what? Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Been online, you're online sportsbook experts. All right, finishing us out in segment three, we got a bunch, and some of these are uh, maybe some retreads, but we're going to power through them. Zach at Zach Woodruff three. I would assume that the targeting of the Texas defensive tackle means the staff didn't feel confident in either rooks or Benny with rooks committing. What are your thoughts on the likelihood of Benny or, or, you know, Ike? Iwana? wanna? Well, obviously they got both. Uh, and I, I know I can say that now, but if I would have answered that on. On uh, Thursday, last week, I would have said uh, I think that there's still a good chance that they get one of the others. I didn't think they were going to get both. I didn't think they were going to get all three, that's for sure. And If you would have told me last week at this time, well, not not at this time because at this time they had already had uh, Rooks committed, but if you would have told me last week plus three hours, I would not have believed that they would have signed three defensive tackles and that two of them would have been George Rooks and Rayshon Benny. Uh, with Blake Corum, I mean, I I think it's anyone's guess, right? Like he's only been around for a year and he didn't get the benefit of spring and you expect that he would have that this year. And, um, I think Edwards, again, is the most talented guy coming, coming in right away. So we'll see, uh, about that. Haskins, I think has been... Steady in his improvement and his potential. So it's difficult. I, I'm not sleeping on Blake Coram. I just think that there is a lot of really good talent and they're going to find a way to use them. Uh, we'll get to the running back rotation in a later question here, but I think they'll find a way to use them regardless. But, you know, Jonathan Joseph at JJ Joseph, 2156. Does George uh, George Rooks get as big as it seems, and do you see him playing DE in uh, 3e, uh, 3-4, or nose tackle? Well, he's 275 pounds right now. He's gonna have to bulk up to be more of a nose tackle. I mean, I think all of the guys are like 275 that they brought in, but I think it's whoever bulks up. I think that, I mean you can you can play it. You, I think ideally you're getting guys that you could eventually turn into nose tackles, but if not. They could be defensive ends. They've got plenty of defensive ends and or outside linebackers now in the way that Michigan has their things. Again, I don't know the intricacies of what Mike McDonald is looking for in a college 3-4. I know a little bit more about what a pro 3-4 looks like compared to what it would look like in college. And as far as like these are the types of body types we want in these positions, I don't know. Rachel true at Rachel underscore true is there any communication between MHHS and U of M athletes to explain the decision uh, I honestly I don't know uh, and you're talking about the two-week pause I don't know and but I would venture to guess no <laughs> but I, I don't know I'm, my speculation is no Brandon at Brandon s616. Number one, when is spring schedule expected to start? We don't know yet. They have not. uh, Usually we find out something like that in February, and it is February, so hopefully soon we'll know. Uh, Obviously, you have the complications of all things being paused across sports. Number two, Sharon hasn't been an offensive coordinator before. How much do you think it will matter now that he's sharing that job with Gaddis, who's been inconsistent at best? Uh, Keep in mind, Sharon Moore is not the offensive coordinator. He is co-offensive coordinator again think of this as the Alabama situation when it was Mike Loxley offensive coordinator as his title and Josh Gaddis co offensive coordinator as his title it's they're not sharing the job it's still Josh Gaddis's offense but Sharon is now got a little bit more involvement will work more with Gaddis rather than these two trying to figure out things and hashing it out Um So I don't think it'll matter at all. And I also think that it it could be a a good check and balance type situation. So, yeah, there you go. Number three from Brandon. J to T.E. seems like a good fit. I think he coached Butt. Uh, He did coach Jake Butt, turned him into a Mackey Award winner. Do you like the move? I do like the move because we've seen him have a pretty good track record there. And uh, I I think that uh, if you were to ask Jake about him, I think that he would say all good things and I'd, I'd have to reach out to jake uh so maybe we'll do that down the road maybe maybe i'll see if i could get jake uh to come on and talk about uh talk about working with jake or uh Jay harbaugh general Patton at s Patton 9293 will michigan continue to use multiple backs for the 2021 season I mean, yes, but not necessarily in the haphazard way that they did this last year. They're always going to – every team is always going to use multiple backs. I mean, Alabama wasn't only using Najee Harris. You know, like you're going to see three, four guys get some time. More ideally, it works more like it did in 2019 for for Michigan or before that with Higdon. Like ideally, it looked more like 2018. Higdon got, what, like 70% of the carries – Maybe not quite as many, Probably probably like sixty percent. then you had like thirty percent Chris Evans and twenty percent Ty Isaac. I think that's more of how you want things to go. And I could see that being the situation. And you hope that it's more like that than what just happened. Kells at Go Blue underscore forever. The real question needs to be asked is about the quarterback situation we know what we have going on and what we need to have improved the main improvement what do you think Michigan is doing over the next several months to make sure we're successful to go well number one overhaul the coaching staff and Jim Harbaugh is the quarterbacks coach so that's that's the main thing Um, I think the second thing that would help is being able to have spring football to being able to have traditional fall camp i know that's what a lot of teams went through the same thing but like a lot of the teams that were really good when you go through like the top top teams from last year were guys were teams that had returning starting quarterbacks or guys who had more experience than what michigan brought to the table so think a mixture of jim harbaugh and being the quarterbacks coach now and having a more traditional hands-on type approach could pay huge dividends we'll see i don't even know what this is talking about but julian at underscore julian underscore nyc how will they stay sharp i'm assuming you're talking about basketball uh they're gonna have to find a way but i mean they're not able to practice they're not able to work out i'm sure that they have some instructions of some things to do kind of like football had will they be as sharp as they were i don't know similar more pointed question J.P. Markillan, at J.J. Mylan Uh, COVID and its terrible effects aside, is this the dream scenario for any team that wants to peak in March? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think. I I don't think you want to take two weeks off and not being able to work out. Not you know, think about what Michigan looked like at the beginning of the season compared to what Michigan looked like right when getting canceled. Yeah, maybe maybe that means that the next couple games that they get are like the beginning of the season, and then they hit a groove again. So maybe, I don't think it's a dream scenario at, by any stretch. So, uh, yeah, that's that's that. All right, last one here. I haven't even read this one because it got DM'd to me during. So uh, if he says anything that's uh, swearing or whatever, my apologies. At G. Fulgham, it's George Fulgham. Michigan has always been a school that has developed three- and four-star recruits over four years and then become stars late in their tenure at Michigan. However, the average time the current football player is staying in school has come way down. Is this why Michigan is currently struggling in all aspects of the game? They are not prepared like the Alabamas and Ohio States of the world. They reload every year with not a lot of development needed. I think that's an interesting point. And again, I look back more to that 2017, like 2016-2017 classes, did not pan out quite as much as you hoped. 2017 in particular. So many of those guys gone. Uh, well before they got to the year three. As it were. Right? Like, maybe you're... Yeah, year four, I guess, technically. But year three. Years three and four. Like I mean, so many of those guys transferred. That set you back. A lot. Um, so, yeah, like... Alabama, Ohio State, I mean, the problem is, comparatively, Michigan isn't getting a bunch of five-stars like they are. Like, Alabama, Ohio State have guys that are just ready to go, period. But Michigan not retaining – I think the big thing is just not retaining their talent, missing or losing guys has been the biggest thing that has hurt Michigan more than anything, right? Like, imagine if – Aubrey Aubrey Solomon ends up looking like the five star, and Michigan's able to retain him. Now, the reasons he left are, that's a different story. But let's just say it's a perfect world, everything works out, Aubrey Solomon is just wrapping up his Michigan career. Then we wouldn't be having these defensive tackle conversations the way we had, right? Like we'd be like, all right, that worked out pretty good. I mean, even, even guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones. Donovan Peoples-Jones, the number one rated wide receiver in 2017, outperforms the other guys in 2017. Judy, Ruggs, Smith. Waddle, I believe, in that class, too. I think those were all 2017 guys. I mean, even if he left after this last year, I mean, it would be a different story. So I think it's it, part of it is hitting on your recruits, not that donovan wasn't a hit it's just he didn't he certainly wasn't the top wide receiver in the country but you know if they, if they hit on more of the guys it, it's less of a development and and more of a we're gonna get more out of these guys early then maybe that'd be a thing and i think part of that is the leadership of it all too like what Ambry thomas was saying about leadership Ohio State, like, they, they have a standard set by the guys that came before them. Michigan doesn't seem like it, it's been that lately. Like, it hasn't been, like... You, you, remember back in forever ago, used to be, like, man, this Chris Perry guy is incredible. How is the next guy going to live up to that? And then Mike Hart comes. You know what I mean? Like, everything, it was like, I don't know how this this guy that's really good is going to be as good as that last guy. And they would be whether they're a freshman or someone else because there was like a standard right now there there isn't a standard they have to set a standard it seemed like they had set a standard in 2016 and it just didn't work out going from 2016 to 2017 we'll see how it goes all right that'll do it 38 minutes like i promised we'll have another podcast later today i need a break for a couple hours before i talk for 30 minutes again Thanks for listening. Hope you listen to the next one. Appreciate you. Peace.